You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of theparkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio, your host of the show, uh, being joined, as always, by Jackson Moore. And Jackson, well, uh, almost another shutout for the Bulldogs, but kind of fell just a little bit short, didn't they? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if if it would have just been that safety, that would have been pretty gut-wrenching to finish the game that way with two points on the scoreboard, but... Uh, it's kind of bittersweet. Uh, you don't want to give up a touchdown at the end either with 11 seconds, but it kind of took that, that safety sting away a little bit. But, I mean, what a dominant performance by the defense. Uh, they had one long drive at the beginning of the game, forced a punt anyway after 18 plays, and the Wolfpack really never got anything going from there. So, I mean, three games in a row now, just excellent defense, and hopefully it carries into some tougher games coming up. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Bulldogs did everything they could right uh, in this last game, Uh, although the very first opening drive for uh, Nevada uh, kind of kind of made everybody a little bit nervous, didn't they, Jackson? They took quite a bit of time off the (laughs) clock. Yeah, 18 plays over nine minutes. And when that kind of thing happens, what makes me more nervous is that we've seen games where if the opposing team takes that much time off the clock, sometimes it's tough for the offense to get into rhythm when they don't have as many plays or as many chances to figure things out. And, you know, the first half offense it really wasn't that great, but they had the two long plays. And in a game where the defense was playing so good, I mean, that, those 14 points were really all they needed to make sure they got a win in this one and tacked on some more points in the second half. But, um, yeah, could have been a little bit uh, more of a nail-biter if uh, the Bulldogs hadn't ripped off a couple of big ones. And uh, having a long drive like that to start off the game kind of sets you back in terms of getting into rhythm and feeling out your, your play sheet for the day. And fortunately, it didn't matter. Yeah, I, I mean, it was, uh, it was really making us a, l- a little bit impatient being on the field there. <laughs> Uh, it just it, it seemed like that drive was never going to end, and by the time it that drive was over, Nevada came away with nothing to 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 put on the scoreboard, which uh, to me kind of was more in favor of the Bulldogs uh, for Nevada not coming away with any points than than it actually worked in favor of Nevada because it's kind of deflating going that long and then having <laughs> nothing to show for it, right, Jackson? Yeah, to not even be in field goal range after 18 plays, that was bizarre. But, I mean, they had what the uh, the penalty that sent them back on first and 10 at Fresno State's 28-yard line, and then uh, couldn't manage the yard from there. So, I mean, when it's fourth and 28 at the 46-yard line, you pretty only, much only got one choice but the punt. Yeah, it, it was really – it was – interesting to say the least to see how things progressed throughout that game um and uh, the beginning of it just really didn't didn't really show what uh, the Bulldogs were capable of until until it really started getting into you know the end of the second quarter and the third quarter that's when when Fresno State really came alive uh, especially on defense Jackson there's a couple of players that were seemed like they were just a, a couple of wrecking balls for the Fresno State defense yeah, and I think you know the forcing that punt set the tone a little bit because uh, they got the Wolfpack off the field on that first drive with the Krishan Gordon sack, and 
the team finished with seven sacks and a bunch of you know second team guys were really some of the stars on defense in this game. When you factor in that Dean Clark wasn't able to play, you know, he showed up in uniform but never got on the field. So that opens the door for Cameron Bracca to have a huge day with six tackles, one and a half sacks, and a pass deflection. It just seemed like he was all over the place. Alzillian Hamilton had a good day at cornerback with Cam Lockridge out. Um, Isaiah Johnson got hurt in the opening drive, and a whole bunch of defensive ends showed up. Um, Kamari Munir-Bailey had a sack. Um, uh, Sione Noah came off the bench and had a sack. Uh, Charles Rimlinger played a, a good game for a, a lot of the snaps that Johnson was missing. So, I mean, a great defensive performance, but a lot of guys that had to fill in the gaps and ended up being some of the premier players on the defense, too. Well, and it's now starting to show that uh, Fresno State, uh, not only do they have a good defense with of starters, but uh, backup positions are definitely, there's not really much of a drop-off, uh, so to speak. They, they came in, they filled in those positions, and they played very well. Uh, which bodes well for Fresno State's defense going into conference play and and really getting into the meat and potatoes of this schedule um, moving forward. Um, now, does that mean that the offense has a little bit of playing catch up to do? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Uh, it seems like um, they they did struggle early on, but then they finally got into a groove and started moving things along. Um, and a couple of bizarre plays on on offense. Uh, one that comes to mind was the 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 running touchdown, uh, where uh, you know the running back just never touched the ground, Jackson, <laughs> and so was was able to scamper off for uh, for a seventy plus yard touchdown. Uh, and so, what's your take on how this offense is doing so far, um, especially against Nevada here? Yeah, you know, it was seemed like a mixed bag against the Wolfpack, and there was plenty good enough to win the game, of course, but, you know, when you rely on the two big touchdowns in the first half as your only source of production, um, I mean, the stats were, were not all that great other than those two plays. Um, they had a fourth down and four that it was nice to see them go for it at Nevada's 37, but they fell short. Uh, Mikey Keene threw two picks, one of them not really his fault on a jump ball where a rogue defender just showed up out of nowhere and picked it off on the sideline. Um, but, you know, they, for the most part, moved the ball. I mean, again, as you mentioned in the second half, they put together three scoring drives in a row. It would have been four if not for a missed field goal. Um, so, I mean, just there's some good and bad. You see the, the capabilities that this team has and the weaponry, and then you also see a lot of the pass protection breakdowns that come into play, whether it's uh, I believe they only gave up two sacks, but you know there's just quite a few breakdowns where you see the opposing players get into the Bulldogs' pocket and mess things up, and it seems to re- really derail drives, which we saw against Arizona State. We saw it for periods of time against Eastern Washington and Nevada as well. A very aggressive team like Arizona State. They sent quite a bit of blitzes, and they've got a good pass rush and a good run defense, and Coach Stedford said they went into that game thinking it was probably going to be tough to run the ball on them. And the other thing that came into play is that usually when the Bulldogs are going away from the run, they're throwing the short passes. And Nevada ended up putting their cornerbacks right up at the line of scrimmage and really pressing the Bulldogs to take that away, which is something they don't normally do. So there was a lot of adjustments on the fly. And I think 
to be a really good team and to get through seasons when games where you're not playing your best, you, you got to have that top end talent that makes top end plays. And that's where we saw Jalen Gill break some big run, uh, big scores. And that's where we saw Malik Sherrod have that very savvy play to stay up on his feet. Uh, I almost forgot that that was actually a 97 yard drive. <laughs> the Bulldogs started on their three yard line a few plays before he broke off that 70 yard touchdown run. Yep. Yep. Um, so. I mean, you got to have those types of playmakers on your team to overshadow some of the shortcomings, and I, I think that's where the Bulldogs are at right now. But now they're going to get to some games where the margin for error is a lot smaller, and you know they can't quite afford to have some of those shortcomings be as prevalent. So big week for them of practice and getting ready for the Cowboys. Now, uh, one of the things that you mentioned was the, the offense just having trouble uh, giving up sacks and and getting pressure in the backfield um that's probably stemming from either uh the offensive line or the inability of the running backs to pick up the the free man what's your take on it so far because that that could be a little concerning for the bulldogs yeah you know in in recent years especially with jay Kaner back there basically every season since 2018 you know the o-line's been a, a bit of a struggle and especially the last two years it's kind of felt like just the pass protection up front wasn't very good. And then Jake Hayner made up for a lot of that with his play and his savviness back there. But right now it's, you know, there's been some times where the O-lines had breakdowns, but it it feels like it's more of a collective situation where you've got some running backs in there that haven't pass protected as much in their career. Uh, I do think Malik Sherrod is is pretty good at it, but of course he hasn't been out there all season long, missed the games and banged up a little bit. I think he's a hundred percent now, but uh, he hasn't. We haven't gotten to see that full uh, resume from him. But you've got running backs that haven't pass protected a whole lot in their careers. You've got O lines, an O line that has had some breakdowns here and there. And you've got a quarterback who's not used to playing with an O line. And, and with this, I mean, know Coach Tedford kind of went out of his way to say that Mikey probably should have thrown the ball away on those sacks, and that there was opportunities to avoid losses there. So, I, I mean, it's easy to point to the O line, but I think right now it's all around, and I think that's also what I'm gathering from the coaches at practice this week, um, that it's not just that there's issues up front, but that it's kind of the whole collection, the tight ends, the O-line, the running backs, the quarterbacks, they've got to get them all on the same page because we've seen now through five games, there's been a lot of pressures, and uh, by this point, they should have it figured out how to uh, dip out of some of those situations. Again, it's very rare we see Mikey just standing in the pocket and a defender just comes in and blindsides him. That, that, that's not the type of sacks he's taken. He usually sees the pressure coming first and tries to make something happen. And there's been a few where he's made some big plays and then there's been others where he wasn't able to get out of it. So um, that's a really big emphasis right now this week in practice, not just the offensive line, basic pass protection, but everything that moves with them uh, cohesively, that's, that's not working all that well right now. Sounds like the Bulldogs may uh, may have to pull in a tight end or two and and uh, and give a little extra pass protection on on certain uh, instances, uh, especially like goal and short or something like that. Um, <laughs> but uh, they need to they need to figure out some way of slowing down these defense from getting into their backfield. It's really uh, it's really becoming a, a point of emphasis uh, that these teams are now starting to figure out. Hey. 
we can put pressure on these guys. Let's go in after them and, and do something. And so we're going to see a lot more of that as we go into conference play, uh, especially the more film that uh, opponents are able to get on the Bulldogs. It's it's only going to make things a little easier for opposing um, defenses to kind of figure out this Fresno State offense. So uh, I don't know, Jackson, is that going to be a solution? Bring in some extra tight ends, extra beef in the line and, and kind of short things up a little bit. Yeah, you know, I think I was at the Arizona State game on the sideline. I saw a tight end and a running back both point at a Sun Devil defender before the snap, and then that same defender ran past the tight end and the running back. Neither of them ended up blocking him. <laughs> he got the sack. So, I, you know, I think even with the tight ends, it's, that's what I'm talking about, where some of these sacks that they're giving up and the pressures are, you know, we went into the season not thinking the offense was going to be as good as they're playing right now. But I think this is one of those, growing pains where not everyone's quite on the same page with all the new faces and you know hopefully they figure it out sooner rather than later you get them no you get them there he is right there (laughs) yeah that's gonna that's gonna be a problem all season long if they can't get that figured out um but the bulldogs did manage um once they did take a lead they they then started to get settled in and started really um, showing that uh, once they get a, get a lead, they're able to kind of protect it. And uh, and we're able to just kind of cruise for the remainder of this game. Nevada looked like they had a couple of opportunities to kind of change the tide, but then ended up shooting themselves in the foot with a lot of those uh, long penalties. Um, and uh, I think that was ultimately their, their nail in their coffin, right, Jackson? They just couldn't get things going because they were just killing themselves. Yeah, the Bulldogs really applied the pressure to, to give them a lot of trouble. I mean, seven sacks in this game was a ridiculous number, especially considering the Bulldogs haven't had that. I think they had more in this game than they had in the first four games, and it wasn't a lack of pressure before. It's just they were able to finish it off this game. And um, I mean, that's a hard task to do against Brendan Lewis as well, who's very quick on his feet. Uh, he never got comfortable, even with his running game, really. Uh, I mean, this is a guy that uh, he... I was watching their film going into this game, and a lot of times it seems like their passing plays are just a disguise for him to run the ball. Once the receivers get downfield and the pass rushers get behind them a little bit uh, for him to turn up the field, but he only finished with 25 total yards uh, when you count all the sacks. And they even had to bring in their backup, uh, A.J. Bianco, for a while, who's not very mobile. Um, But uh, I think it's the sacks and also the Bulldogs – type of hit they were getting on him. I think Coach Sedford pointed out he, Lewis didn't quite look right after that first drive even. and um, uh, He did miss a little bit of time during the game. So, I mean, that, it was kind of the head of the snake for Nevada, and, and they cut it off pretty early in the game. Well, it looked like they were trying to run the uh, Kaepernick offense without Kaepernick. <laughs> and that just doesn't work because Kaepernick had those long legs and long strides. The, you know, he'd take, he'd take one step and he was five yards downfield. <laughs> so uh, that that made a big difference. So I, I think they're, they're still kind of trying to run that same type of an offense where the uh, quarterback was going to be their main point of, uh, of – weaponry and uh, it just didn't work for them this uh, this game so but that being said you know things are looking up for the Bulldogs um, they're they're right now uh, they are ranked number 25 and 24 I believe Jackson or 
Um, I know 24 and 24 now. Um, 24 so they 24. moved up one spot in the AP poll, uh, but two in the coaches where they were unranked last week. So now 24 across the board and um, the only group of five school ranked. They do have a wider gap in the coaches poll to the rest of the group of five in terms of the votes. Um, but the AP poll, uh, you, you do see some Air Force votes, some Tulane votes, some Wyoming votes even. So, uh, But no one seems to be really a threat to the Bulldogs, assuming they keep winning. Yeah, so right now uh, things are looking pretty good. The Bulldogs essentially control their own destiny at this point. So all they need to do is win out. So one game at a time, right, Jackson? That's all they need to do, <laughs> one game at a time. But next week's going to be a big one. Uh, yeah, I mean, and it's easier said than done, of course, but the Bulldogs, I, I mean, they should be ranked the rest of the, I mean, they should be favored the rest of the way each week if they keep winning. Uh, but I think the margins are going to be pretty slim. I mean, even this Wyoming game, it looks like seven to three points across, I mean, a lot of different lines I saw open up on Sunday but in that range. Um, I think Utah State is a team that's kind of a wild card right now. UNLV is looking really good. Boise State. Not looking all that great, but you know they're always going to be tough. So, in these next four games, especially, uh, a lot uh, is going to be coming at the dogs. And I mean, they really have to play their A game to get through all of these with four straight wins. Absolutely. And so that now the real test begins, and it begins next week as the Bulldogs uh, head to Wyoming to take on the Wyoming Cowboys. And uh, this one, Jackson, looks like one of the tougher games, if not the toughest game of the season um, on the road uh, for the Bulldogs. So we're, we're going to jump into this one. What's your, what's your overall thought on Wyoming coming, in, uh, coming into this week? Yeah, if you just look at their resume or the resumes of all the teams on Fresno State's schedule, it's definitely the most impressive. Um, they took out Texas Tech on the opening weekend in an overtime game. Uh, they won that one 35-33, double overtime. Um, they have a win over Appalachian State, uh, who is uh, one of the better group of fives year in and year out at this time. Um, they get a little bit fortunate. It looked like App State was getting close to putting that game away, and Wyoming ran back a, a blocked field goal for a touchdown. So kind of got away with that one. And then their loss at Texas is really impressive, even though it's an L. Uh, they were at the number four team in the nation and it was tied going into the fourth quarter until the Longhorns uh, scored three touchdowns in a row there to, to put that one away. But I mean, you can't uh, count out the way Wyoming played for the majority of that game and did so with their backup quarterback actually. Um, and then you also see where the Wyoming style of play comes in against some of their easier opponents. They only beat New Mexico by nine. They only beat Portland state by two touchdowns. I mean, generally, this is a, a team that plays a slow, smash-mouth style of play uh, that will keep games close, whether it's them playing against lesser opposition or better opponents. Um, I mean, it's going to be less possessions, less plays, and, and closer scores. And so I, that's the, kind of the way you got to get ready for this one for Fresno State, regardless of whether the Bulldogs are superior or not. Uh, it's going to be a tight game, and it's going to come down to just a score or two, I would assume, on the final score. Yeah, this one is uh, definitely going to be one of those uh, uh, nail biters for the Bulldogs, um, especially when when they're playing on the road. However, Jackson, I want to point something out. They they have looked a lot better on the road than they have at home. 
<laughs> so uh, you know maybe this is a good thing for the bulldogs uh that they're playing them uh at wyoming although uh what's the weather like is the temperature going to be dropping significantly over there or uh i, I don't know I, I didn't even get a chance to look at that thing so i'll probably yeah try. last time i looked it was going to be about 60 during the day and drop into the low 30s at night and so with a 5 p.m kickoff it'll be six o'clock over there I mean, it'll be cold, but it won't be as bad as it could be. And uh, there might be a little bit of sunlight left when they kick off. So as far as going to Wyoming, doing it in early October is uh, as ideal as it can be for the Bulldogs. And Wyoming, I mean, this is their fifth home game already in the first six weeks. So uh, they should be pretty, uh, pretty used to their weekly routine. It'll be their third home game in a row for this one. Yeah, it's showing that Wyoming is going to be clear skies on Saturday with a high of 71 degrees and a low of 40 degrees. <laughs> so uh, it is, it's going to get kind of nippy as it gets later. So that's going to definitely play its part um, into the game. But, you know, that being said, let's let's go ahead and start breaking this down on paper. So, Jackson, let's go ahead and start off with Fresno State's offense taking on Wyoming's defense. And how do these two teams match up? Yeah, it's Wyoming defense. Uh, I mean, you get used to this group being a solid one. They seem to be year in and year out, and, and this year it's not much different. Um, talking with the coaches and getting a feel of who this Cowboy team is, uh, a lot of a lot's been said about their defensive line. Um, they're going to be a little bit bigger than the last couple of teams the Bulldogs have faced. They got two defensive tackles that are both six foot four, two hundred and ninety pound upperclassmen uh, that are. Uh, plugging up the middle and then they've got speedier defensive ends a 6'4 230 and a 6'3 245 coming off the edge um, so that seems to be where it all starts for them um, they do have a pretty solid secondary as well what's really caught my eye is that they are getting their hand on the ball a lot you know not a ton of interceptions but a lot of pass deflections pass breakups and uh, just pretty good play in the secondary which I think that was the key part of them keeping things close and against the Texas Longhorns. But also at the same time, I mean, they're not uh, overly dominant. I wouldn't say. I don't think they're overly concerning. I mean, they gave up 26 to the New Mexico Lobos last week, um, gave up 19 to App State, probably should have been more. That, that's probably their best performance, I'd say, defensively because that Mountaineer team usually scores a lot of points. Uh, they gave up 33 in overtime to Tech and 17 to Portland State. So. Um, you know, it's uh, definitely uh, one of the better defenses the Bulldogs are going to see, but it's not, um, I don't think, anything that's going to be over the top difficult for them. Um, Arizona State had a lot going for it on defense. Purdue had some good defensive players in the exotic scheme. Um, uh, what I've been told about Wyoming's defense is that they're not necessarily as um, – as exotic and what they do, but the way that they do it is uh, very effective. And they have a lot of different teams that they implement, but not quite as many pressures as the Bulldogs have seen. Uh, coach Wade, the quarterback coach, I was just talking to him and he said, this is one of the most complex uh, offensive game plans that they've had to put together so far this season against what Wyoming does defensively. So um, it's a little bit of a mix uh, of things and, um, We'll see how the Bulldogs handle it. Uh, in its base, it's going to be a four-two-five defense, which is just what the Bulldogs saw against Nevada uh, from a purely structural standpoint. But um, 
I mean, just in general, this Cowboy team, they're going to be physical on defense. They're going to try to run it on you on offense. And uh, the Bulldogs are getting ready for that smash mouth mentality. Yes, it's uh, definitely going to be uh, that that type of a game. I, Wyoming is notoriously the the smash mouth team. You know, I keep uh, going back to that game of Ryan Matthews uh, trying to get it in to the end zone on four downs at the two yard line <laughs> and couldn't punch <laughs> it in. Uh, so uh, yeah, that's just the type of game type of. Uh, physicality that Wyoming brings to the table uh, year in and year out. And so uh, I don't expect this to be any different in this matchup. Um, They're going to be tough-nosed and and ready to go. And, of course, you know, right now with Fresno State being ranked, they're going to get Wyoming's best shot at them. So uh, watch out. It's it's really going to be who makes the least amount of mistakes in this game. So it's going to... It, Bulldogs are really going to need to step up and, and win the turnover battle in, in this one. That being said, we're, we're going to go ahead and take a look at Fresno State's defense and Wyoming's offense and how do the, these guys stand up. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be all about running the ball for the Cowboys. Um, they have on the season 179 total rushes to 118 passes. Um, so that's kind of the split you can expect for them on a weekly basis. And they've got one of the most effective running backs in the country right now. Harrison Whaley is averaging 8.6 yards per carry. Uh, it just seems like every time he touches the ball, things happen. And he's really a, a big play kind of a threat. Uh, he had a 75-yard run against App State, a 66-yard run against New Mexico, and a 62-yarder against the Texas Longhorns. And the scary part about it is those are the only three games he played. He wasn't available the first couple of weeks for the Cowboys or else his numbers would probably be even more off the charts. He's got 457 rushing yards in just three weeks that he's played, three touchdowns, not a receiving threat. He's only got one catch, but um, the 5'10", 200-pounder, he comes from northern Iowa as a transfer, and uh, uh, he replaces uh, some production that the Cowboys had lost via the portal. They even had a running back dismissed in the first couple of weeks this season, DQ James. Um, so... They were able to go in the portal, find someone that's really effective, and, and he's really working for them. Um, Sam Scott is another running back that they'll get the ball to a bit. But, uh, you know, looking at the Mountain West, there's not many good quarterbacks, like really impressive ones. I mean, Mikey Keene might be the best of them all right now. Uh, Shevin Cordero was the preseason player of the year. I mean, other than that, there's not a lot of great passers. But Wyoming does have a good game manager or leader back at quarterback and Andrew Peasley. He's a graduate now student, uh, one of those extra senior players. And um, again, not going to throw the ball a ton all over the place. It's not even really effective all that much as a passer. He's only completing 55% of his throws, uh, but he is going to be efficient in terms of not giving the ball away and not putting the offense in bad situations. Only been sacked seven times in five games, four games only thrown two interceptions to six touchdowns and he's going to run the ball a fair amount. He's got 130 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. So it's really the Peasley and Whaley show for Wyoming. Uh, not a lot of threats in the receiving game. They will try to catch you off guard and hit you deep. Uh, a year Asante is averaging 26.7 yards per catch uh, on just seven touches for 187 yards and three scores. So, um, you know, it's, almost to a degree of the kind of air force attack you would see where 
Uh, they don't throw the ball a whole lot, but when they do, they're going to try and really hurt you with it. Um, yeah, of course, not to that extreme amount, but this is a run-first game. They're going to try to establish things at the line of scrimmage and then take things from there. And it's up to Fresno State to do exactly what they did last year, which was shut down that rushing attack. I mean, a lot of the same guys in the front seven, the back to the Bulldogs to try to make that happen again. And, uh, I mean, the Bulldogs pitched a, th- a shutout against them last year. Um, Whaley was not there with the Cowboys last year. He's going to make things more difficult. And the other thing Wyoming is doing pretty well right now is their just general offensive line play. Uh, they've got six foot seven at left tackle, Frank Crum, uh, six foot five, six foot five, also on the line, a couple of smaller guys in the interior. So um, they're going to put a tight end out there a lot of the times. They're going to have fullbacks, two tight ends, a lot of different formations. So at the end of the day, this one's really just going to be decided in the, the trenches between Wyoming's O line and Fresno State's D line. And I think. The way that Jacob, uh, Johnny Hudson and Gabriel Lightfoot and Devo Bridges and everyone else back there is playing, uh, I think it fits well for them to, to take on this type of attack. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, definitely going to be, uh, I don't know, this, this, game, this game concerns me, Jackson. <laughs> this is going to be one of those where it's, uh, you can pretty much flip a coin. Um, and, and figure out how this one's going to end up because the, the, I don't, I don't expect this one to be much of a spread by the time kickoff rolls around. I'm, I'm thinking three points. <laughs> I'm thinking it's going to be a three point spread by that time. Uh, but, uh, that being said, the, the Bulldogs do have, uh, enough, uh, to really hurt, uh, Wyoming in this game and really keep everybody honest so it's going to be on both sides of the ball it's going to be very very interesting to see just how uh these two teams handle each other and who's going to get the upper hand first i think that's going to go a long way um especially i think in this game first one to score is probably going to have the advantage Uh, that's i'm going to put her down right now jackson that's my (laughs) that's my thing whoever scores first is going to have the advantage of winning this game um, yeah, it's interesting you bring that up. I just saw a stat that said uh, 37% of the time teams that don't score first lose. So <laughs> in college football this season right now, the way these games are going. Yeah, I, I'm, and I'm feeling that. I, if Fresno State scores first, I'll be confident that they, they should be able to pull this one off. If Wyoming scores first, I'm going to be a little concerned <laughs> uh, <laughs> just because of the ability that Wyoming has to, to really make things difficult for the Bulldogs. So this is going to be interesting to see. Now, on uh, one other aspect of the game, a special teams, Fresno State did have a couple of long field goals on uh, this last game, but also gave up a long touchdown on a kickoff that ultimately got called back. So a little concerned there, Jackson, as to some of the, the coverage that's happening? Yeah, that, that return worried me. Thankfully, it was called back to the penalty. Um, I got a good stat from Gabe earlier in the week, Gabe Camarillo, who helps us out at com as well. Uh, Wyoming kicker John Hoyland, I believe he says he's the only kicker in the country who's still perfect. Uh, he's 8 for 8 on field goals oh, right geez. now. And uh, two of those kicks are from 50-plus yards. He's made a 56-yarder this season. So that is a weapon that Wyoming has. And, I mean, if this game is as tight as we anticipate, that could be a difference maker. We've seen Dylan Lynch, you know, make the majority of his kicks, but he hasn't been nearly perfect. And um, we did talk to Coach Sedford this week about the elevation and maybe if 
that would change anything for the kicking game. And he said he feels pretty good about Dylan Lynch from about 51 yards or so that they'd put him out there and that being in elevation at Wyoming, maybe they'd try him from a few more yards out if they needed to. Um, but, you know, I, this is definitely the team with the best resume on Fresno State schedule, but I, I kind of like this matchup for the Bulldogs. And, you know, a couple of years ago, well, when Fresno State and San Diego State seemed to be deciding the West Division every year, we did one of our, our special features about just kind of looking at each year that series and, um, you know, what kind of was the difference maker, what, when, what made the Bulldogs win those types of games against San Diego State, who was just really playing good defense and smash mouth running. And it basically boiled down to any time the Bulldogs were remotely good, they won that game. And any time the Bulldogs were down, uh, they got throttled by the Aztecs. And I just think Wyoming's a pretty similar situation, the way that they play and that the way that the Bulldogs are talented. I, it's a game that can get away from the dogs if they have a couple turnovers or give up a couple unusual big plays. It, it could certainly happen. But uh, barring something unusual, I, I think Fresno State's going to be in a good matchup here. I think I like the way it fits for them. I almost feel like some of the teams that worry me more right now are the Utah States and the UNLVs coming up who are a little more threatening offensively and kind of shake up the game with some unusual uh, style of plays and, and a lot, you know more snaps almost to where a lot of different things are happening for both of those teams. And so I think the Bulldogs are going to get out of this, probably win kind of ugly and then, uh, you know, there's probably two teams coming up that may not be as good as Wyoming, but may be more threatening matchups from my mind. Yeah, so this is definitely going to be uh, very interesting. Uh, I'm, I still think it's going to be a good game, Jackson. <laughs> I still think, <laughs> it's, I still think it's going to be a struggle. Um, and now, do I think the Bulldogs are going to lose? No, I, I think they're going to pull this one out um, and continue uh, the the streak on going, uh, but. Uh, like you said, they're after they they're done with this one. They're going to be heading to Utah, and that one could get very interesting very quickly as well. And so uh, things are not going to get any easier moving forward as teams are going to have a little bit of a blueprint on how to handle the Bulldogs. So uh, it's now in the Bulldogs' interest to kind of you know make alterations to that blueprint. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll see how things uh, progress uh, throughout the season. Now, before we start jumping into Mountain West coverage, I, I want to touch upon a little bit about Fresno State recruiting. Um, and so you had an opportunity to kind of uh, catch up to a few uh, Fresno State recruits. And and so how are things looking uh, recruiting-wise for the Bulldogs? Yeah, um, you know, they have been hosting a lot of recruits at these home games. Uh last couple of weeks, we mentioned, I think last week, we saw well over 100. It uh, was not a much smaller group this past week for the Nevada game. I swear, they're <laughs> so, doing it on purpose. They're doing it on purpose <laughs> to confuse us. <laughs> yeah, so they've been very active. You know, we haven't seen a lot of developments as of late in terms of commitments or those kinds of things since the summer. But as mentioned, I, I went out to Clovis West versus Buchanan on Friday and uh, the Golden Eagles had three Bulldog commits and another target they're going after for the 25 class. Buchanan has Logan Stute, and you know he had four Bulldogs on the field at the same time. Uh, so that was pretty neat to see. I've never been at a high school game that had that many future Bulldogs on the same field. And because all the Clovis West guys played both ways, I mean, they were all four of them on the field for a lot of the game. 
uh, when the Golden Eagles were on offense and Logan Suit was trying to stop them. Uh, one thing that really stood out to me was Titus Kajavi, not just uh, being a physical linebacker for Clovis West, but they used him uh, pretty well on offense. I mean, they threw a touchdown pass to Landon Wright on the screen, and Kajavi just blew up the defender in front of them and let him walk in for a touchdown. Uh, they handed him the ball off a few times, used him as a blocker in the backfield a lot. So that was neat to see. But in general, just talking, I got to talk to all of them after the game. We're going to have a feature on that this week on barkboard.com and all those one-on-one interviews on the VIP side of things. And um, they're all, I mean, as you imagine, super excited about how the things are going for the Bulldogs right now. They've all been going to the games so far this season. They've been seeing the red wave show up in big numbers and, and they're just all super excited. And um, it's neat to hear from some of the recruits like Marshall Sanders and Logan Stute who, uh, have been going to these games for a while, but now they're actually committed. And so it kind of gives them a different perspective. Like, you know, wow, in a year I'm going to be on that field and I'm going to be in that scheme and these crowds are going to be cheering for me kind of thing. So uh, it's neat to see some of the perspectives change. But um, the other thing that's neat is that, you know, some of these guys turned down some power five offers to be Bulldogs. And now you see Fresno State in the top 25, some of those schools that offered are not <laughs> so it's a bit of a validation for some of them as well that they made the right decision and uh lastly i mean they're all super excited to be coming together and uh they're talking about how this might be one of the best deepest classes of valley recruits that fresno state's had in quite some time and uh, they might not be done either uh, they're trying to get bryson donaldson too over at cvc a uh, three-star running back and um you know the the one downside that from a Bulldogs perspective of being at that Clovis West Buchanan game was that the star is heading to Washington State. Landon Wright caught three touchdowns in that game, and the Bulldogs were trying to get him, and he did commit to Washington State. And you know, everyone's kind of putting some noise in his ear to maybe try and change his mind and stay home. I, I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, yeah, so he had a good day. But he's really the only one that, that's gotten away from Fresno State in this class. And uh, they're going to look for a few more high schoolers here in the fall, but you're going to see a lot of JUCOs and a lot of transfer portal recruits right after the season would be my best bet. Yeah, it looks like uh, the Bulldogs are 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 really trying to stay very active. Uh, I mean, they're they're start they're still looking at a lot of these other Valley recruits, um, and they're not done yet. They're they're still looking. I mean, they're weeding through everyone, um, and like Jackson said, they're they've been having consistently every home game has been over a hundred recruits at every single game and it's driving me batty uh, um, because we just, I've never seen this many recruits, uh, you know, every single game ever. Uh, I don't know, Jackson, can you remember a time where almost every single game is a hundred plus recruits every single time? (laughs) Yeah, not in this way. And it's exciting because, you know, a lot of them are local recruits, but a lot of them are legitimate potential guys in the upcoming years. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of times I see, you know, some Valley recruits that probably aren't going to be Fresno state guys within a couple of years. But I mean, especially in the track, I mean, you've got a lot of players that Clovis North, that Clovis East that are either kind of under the radar or are potential 2025 guys. I mean, central, uh, I mean, there's just, they're all bringing a lot of players and you can see where, some of them might be Bulldog recruits within the next 12 months, or there could be some preferred walk-ons in that group. And 
there's been also a, a few key targets that have come from out of the valley to these games. So um, it seems like the you know, the quality in the valley has has risen up a little bit now here since you know you're getting kids that are now weren't really impacted by COVID in terms of their high school careers now uh, that they're getting away from that pandemic year a little bit more and uh, a lot higher level I would say than you know just sending a blanket offer out to all these local recruits to come to the games. It feels like there's a lot more targets within that 100-man group. <laughs> and, uh, um, we've got a list of those groups. Uh, we've got most of those names down, and I posted them on the VIP board for those that want to see that. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely um, it's been fun to watch. There is a lot going on in the Valley as far as recruits are concerned, and the Bulldogs are turning over every stone that they can to see if they can find another sleeper recruit. Uh, you know, just like that one year to that, that, you know, I can, I can say one name and Jackson will know exactly what I'm talking about. Mankins. No one even <laughs> knew about the guy, did they? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's what the Bulldogs are trying to, to do once again is see if they can find another uh, player of that caliber uh, that no one even knows about. And, uh, it can happen, but, but the only way you're going to do it is you're going to have to keep inviting, a, you know, hundreds and thousands of recruits every single time. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, just, uh, you know, I, I, I swear, Jackson, they're doing it on purpose just to confuse us. That's what they're doing. <laughs> uh, but, uh, that being said, we're going to start switching gears into mountain West coverage, and uh, so, so far what happened, uh, I'm going to go back and take a look and see what happened last week. There were a couple of, uh, well, a couple of surprises, so to speak, um, for uh, the games of last week. So let me start off with Friday and see there was no games on Friday. So it was a Saturday uh, schedule. You had Utah State took on UConn. And barely squeaked out a win on that one, Jackson. Um, <laughs> is is UConn starting to make a comeback in in their in, in their college football days now? Here, that yeah, you know, UConn beat Utah State last season, so a little bit of revenge for the Aggies. Um, oh no, excuse me, but it was another close one last year. Utah State. Uh, okay, so you UConn. Uh, not happy with the Aggies for two years in a row, <laughs> uh, but they're, they're giving them trouble. Uh, I mean, they they look yeah. like at one point they were going to win that game against Utah State. Yeah, Utah State they had to put together seventeen unanswered in the third quarter just to kind of equalize that game, and then the only reason they won by that one point was because they blocked an extra point in the final minute. I believe it was uh, the thing that stands out to me here is that um, Utah State had gone with the freshman quarterback we had talked about last week and. Uh, they ended up going back to the upperclassmen. I honestly don't know if it was because of the play uh, uh, quality or if it was injury, but Cooper Legas came in 11 for 13, 204 yards and three touchdowns. And you, know, you just never know what to expect with Utah State. And uh, that's one of the things that worries me a little bit about that game coming up. They scored 34 last week, 38 the week before that. really doesn't matter who's a quarterback for them. Uh, they seem to make things happen on offense. So, um, they got Colorado State this week. We'll see if there's any better sample size after that game. Now, of course, Utah State is going to be a one team. Jackson and I are actually going to travel to go see in person, so that one's going to be interesting when we uh, when we hit the field uh, out in Utah. 
Now, the next game that happened last week was UNLV and Hawaii, and UNLV torches Hawaii 44-20. to Again, that just shows to, to you and I that UNLV is for real here. Yeah, and they still don't have Doug Brumfield back at quarterback <laughs> the last three games. Uh, it sounds like he's not too far off, so I would expect him to be available by the time they come to Fresno State. But, uh, I mean, they're playing awfully well without him. They're running the ball fantastically. I kind of expected UNLV was going to be better and Hawaii was going to be worse than the line indicated, even at 11 points. But, um, I mean, the Rebels are just playing really good football right now. I'm really impressed by their coaching staff. They ran 47 times for 307 yards. They only had to complete 11 passes. So, um, I mean, this is a team that's got some weapons on offense, and they are running their scheme very, very well with that first-year staff. Yeah, yeah. And UNLV um, is definitely a team that I have circled as being um, one to worry about. (laughs) So uh, they've, they've given the Bulldogs fits for the last few years, and I expect them to come in and give more fits to the Bulldogs uh, this year. Now, the next game, the next game kind of made me a little happy, Jackson. Um, (laughs) That was Boise State taking on Memphis and losing that game 35-32 to Memphis and um, maybe a couple of bad calls in that game, a little controversy happening there, but none the least uh, Boise lost. That made me happy. So (laughs) what do you see there, Jackson? Yeah. You know, not all that surprised they lost. I kind of thought they were going to squeeze it out. They weren't able to, Uh, even at four and one, I'm still a little skeptical about Memphis, Uh, but it is definitely unusual to see Boise State at two and three. I think the most, I mean, the biggest takeaway uh, for Bulldog fans in this game is that Boise State did finally pull the plug on Taylor Green at one point at quarterback. And the backup Maddox Madsen went 11 of 14 for 175 yards and two <laughs> touchdowns. Um, so, that's, you know, I, I, we've been saying that we're probably Boise State's going to figure things out before November when they show <laughs> up. And maybe that was what they figured out in that game, that was even what, in a loss. That was what you and I were like, ah, crap, they figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now, now, now they got now they're gonna go with the the freshman quarterback, and it just brings back bad memories uh, all over again <laughs> when they did that. Uh, so it is definitely going to be uh, a, a team that moving forward you'll have to keep an eye on because we we're gonna have to see just how this freshman quarterback does. If that was just a fluke, or if they actually got. Uh, lightning in a bottle uh, with that uh, freshman quarterback. So, yeah, we're going to have to keep an eye and see how things progress until they come and uh, face the Bulldogs. Now, the next game is, of course, uh, the opponent Fresno State is going to be facing next week. Wyoming took on New Mexico um, or facing this week. So Wyoming took on New Mexico and won that one 35 to 26. No surprises there, right, Jackson? Yeah, it just made me a little bit nervous. I mean, th- this game now is going to be on Fox, but Fresno State needed to win and Wyoming needed to win to get that Fox broadcast. And the game was a little closer than I thought it was going to be. It was only 12-9 uh, at halftime. Um, so, uh, was you know, Wyoming gets into those types of games, as we talked about, but uh, they pulled it off. Um, they really pulled away in the third quarter and probably wasn't even as close as the scoreboard says, but uh, they took care of business. Fresno State took care of business, and now network TV for the Bulldogs and Cowboys. So, a pretty exciting opportunity to be on Big Fox this week. 
Yeah, absolutely. So that's going to be a, a great matchup on national television. And if the Bulldogs are able to take care of business, more exposure and possibly more opportunity to move up in the top 25 if they can if they can accomplish that. Now, the next game was Colorado State took on Utah Tech um, and came out on top 41 to 20. Really not, not much to say there, right, Jackson? <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I heard this game had two lightning delays separately. It <laughs> <laughs> uh, was interesting to see Colorado State's quarterback through for another freshman quarterback. Bulldogs don't have to worry about the Rams, but he threw for 462 yards and four touchdowns in this game. So, oh boy, uh, I, you know, I'm saying the Mountain West quarterback play right now is not very good. Uh, but it could be in a few years if all these freshmen start developing and uh, keep on to these starting spots. Yeah, that's going to be kind of scary to see how uh, this uh, Mount West Conference is going to look once those uh, quarterbacks start to start to progress further into their uh, career. Now, the last game that happened last week uh, was a very important one, and that was the matchup between Air Force and San Diego State, and Air Force demolishes San Diego State 49-10. to uh, pretty much uh, ruining the hopes of San Diego State getting to a conference championship game, but Air Force looking very formidable right now, Jackson. Yeah, um, you know, I, I'm about as down as can be on San Diego State. I think the wheels are coming off, and I'm not surprised, especially with the four games they've had to play in a row, UCLA, Oregon State, Boise State, Air Force. Not surprised they lost all four of those, but the fashion that's happening, um, not like what we're used to seeing from this program. We're seeing a couple of players have hit the portal. Uh, it just seems like morale's pretty down right now. They've got a bye week to try to fix it, but I feel like if you know if you're ranking the remaining games for Fresno State, I think the only team that might be easier for Fresno State than the Aztecs right now would probably be New Mexico. I think that's how far San Diego State's down on the list right now. Yeah, so things are definitely uh really shooken up this week especially uh you know i guess the whole thing that came out of it was boise lost made me happy so that's all i really (laughs) really care about at this point but you know uh, there have been reports of boise really running their mouth a little bit so i'm kind of happy that that kind of (laughs) happened so um uh uh, i'm just gonna leave that there and and move on uh so the next week or this week actually coming up uh there's only three games on the schedule of course you've got fresno state uh taking on wyoming and we've already covered that matchup so the other two games you've got san jose state traveling to boise to take on boise state and didn't san jose state give Boise State all it could handle the last time they went to the blue turf? Um, well, they did beat Boise State for the 2020 Mountain West Championship. I uh, don't think they've had quite as much uh, success against the Broncos since then. Um, but uh, no, they did not play last year, uh, nor did they play in 2021. So last time they did play was for that championship game, and it was in Las Vegas during the pandemic year. So uh, it's interesting, you know, we, we think about Fresno State, how you know, they haven't really played Air Force much, and they haven't played Colorado State much in the Mountain West setup, and uh, the Spartans and, and Broncos are one of those series that haven't come up too much in the last couple of years, and San Jose State did have a bye, and at one and four, you know, they might come into this game pretty desperate. Um, their schedule gets a whole lot easier after this week, and uh, they need that after playing USC and Oregon State and Air Force already this season, but 
um, you know, we'll see if they can kind of rally the troops and figure out how to beat the Broncos on a blue turf. Yeah, that one's going to be, uh, you know, there's going to be some eyes on that one to see what's going to happen. Um, you know, of course, I'm probably going to be a Spartan fan this week, Jackson, um, <laughs> you know, just watching this one. Um, but um, it should be a good game between these two teams. Uh, I think, you know, both are kind of middle of the middle, middle of the road kind of teams at the moment. But, uh, you know, Boise State figuring out that they need to use the young quarterback might may be a difference maker here. So we'll <laughs> see what happens in this game. Now, this other, the only other game that's going to be on the schedule is going to be Colorado State and Utah State, uh, where Colorado's traveling to, to Utah to take on um, Utah State. So this one here, um, not really sure how to take this one. It, but we, it should go, give us a little bit of an indication of where Utah State falls into uh, this season so far, right, Jackson? Yeah, you know they've been on fire on offense. You know, not necessarily for playing consistently for four quarters or sixty minutes, but having these crazy spurts where they've been putting up quite a bit of points. So, you know, we'll see if that continues here, or if they play a little bit better for four quarters or take a step back. I think that's a a pretty even matchup for them to kind of get a good feel on where they're at compared to the Rams. So um, interested to see what happens there. And maybe if I'm more or less concerned about that ag- a game against the Aggies coming up the following week, it's going to be a short week as well. Um, so Utah state doesn't have to travel. At least they've got that going for them. The Bulldogs of course are traveling back to back within that short week. So um one other factor is that all three of these games are all going to be at 5 p.m. Pacific time. So if you're not in Laramie, you can put the Bulldogs and the, the Cowboys on your TV and try to maybe get a game or two on your phone or laptop or whatever and watch them all at the same time. <laughs> uh, if you're like me, I got three TVs set up right now trying to watch all the teams I cover on some Saturdays. <laughs> so, uh, that, that, that option's available for you if, if uh, you got the uh, technology to make it happen. oh that's funny uh yeah i can only imagine i walk into jackson's house and i see all these tvs everywhere just going off (laughs) Uh, but that yeah that's definitely um definitely wants to keep an eye on and you know it's going to be a great game uh regardless um and the bulldogs uh, you know they do need to take care of business in order to continue to climb up the top 25 um, and really hold off any other competitors uh, to making a run at that New Year Six Bowl game, um, and so that that's going to be, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how things progress this week. So, that being said, Jackson, any final thoughts before we wrap this one up? Uh, also, wanted to let everyone know if you're listening um, here on Wednesday or Thursday, uh, we do have a flash sale going on right now. You can get two months of VIP for just a dollar if you join right now. Um, so a good way to get in, your foot in the door and get, I mean, basically the rest of the regular season for just a buck. So I think it's a no-brainer if uh, you've been thinking about it and uh, want to pull up the trigger. Uh, make sure you do that before Thursday at 9 p.m. Pacific time if you miss it. Um, or if you're listening on game day, it is. We do typically offer your first month for just $1 if you also want to try that out. Um, we've got a lot up on the VIP board right now covering the insider scoop from the Nevada win, of what's going on at practice this week, injury reports. The Bulldogs have 
quite a few guys that got dinged up over the last week. We've got the latest on where they stand and who's been practicing and who hasn't. Um, also got some basketball scoop coming. I was at practice last week. I'm trying to squeeze that into our regular uh, schedule of content for football. And um, also, as mentioned, I talked to a bunch of the commits last weekend and going to have all those one-on-one interviews posted for our VIP subscribers as well. So uh, if you're interested, uh, make sure you take advantage of one of those uh, sale opportunities and uh, you'll find it right at barcourt.com on the front page. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Things are starting to kind of get into that uh, crossover time where basketball and football kind of meet uh, in the middle here. And so uh, things are going to start to kind of change up on the website. So keep an eye on, on that for for the barkboard.com. That being said, if you're looking for Jackson Moore, you can find him on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at RedWaveReport. Uh, as always, head over to our Facebook page, give it a like, and see what uh, what's going on there with that community. And as always, head over to the barkboard.com where we offer both free and premium subscriptions. But again, I don't know how many times I have to say this. The premium subscription is where you want to be. Uh, that is where you're going to get all the latest news and information that does not necessarily hit to the public. And sometimes for two or three weeks before it gets to the public. So make sure you are a part of that conversation and uh, look like you are the smartest uh, Fresno State fan in the room. So that being said, I want to thank everyone for joining us and join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.